an incredible income. Quarter million. I'll give you my most controversial take, and I'm probably going to get canceled for saying this. You dropped out of college with one semester to go. I was desperate for just like meaning in my life. I could probably make a six-figure business if I was doing TikTok straight interviews. Nonchalant pod. Thank you guys so much for having me on. We did something on my podcast a long time ago. We don't do it anymore. The guest guesses the revenue that the podcast channel has made. So I'm going to guess the uh, the revenue. Sense revenue. Yeah, I, I have checked it. Like I think it was at like a thousand when I checked it, but that was a while ago. So I'm going to say <laughs> lifetime earnings on the channel to two thousand twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Should we check? Let's check. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's check. check. I don't even know. <laughs> well, you guys flew first class over here, so you you have to be making some you know. some pretty good money. Brother, we're not breaking even on those tickets. <laughs> <laughs> we're at $1,400 estimated revenue. Let's oh, wait, that's, that's just for the last 28 days. Let me see the. I mean, that's going to be a big difference when you lifetime it out. But well, we've been doing this for like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way. Uh, all right, $1,475. There we go. Oh, there we go. No. For the small percentage of the audience that doesn't know who you are, you are the host of one of the top podcasts in the world. Would that be a fair introduction? I I mean I don't know if we're one of the top podcasts in the world, but we uh, we do okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I read somewhere that, that to be in the top one percent, you only need like five thousand downloads per episode. There we go. We're in the top one yeah, percent. Probably like the, the top podcast. point zero take zero. It, bro. We'll, take it. It. we'll take that, it. We'll take it. Is that fair? Like, how far are you guys away from like I don't know Joe Rogan or something? Is that far? How far? Wait, was like it... how far away are you from? I mean, dude, that's like, that's like a different world, Joe Rogan. I mean, he probably on audio gets like, my guess is like 10 million downloads an episode. I read somewhere around 11 million per episode. 11 million? See that? I mean, that's insane. So I don't think we're anywhere near signing a $100 million Spotify deal. But maybe at some point in the future, you know, if we can get more people like Behez on, you know, Mm. then I think think things are going to look good. Yeah. You're getting up there, though. You guys have been growing massively. Um, And we're just curious, is there any money in this? Is there any money in podcasting? Like, are we going to see some... What's my income potential? Yeah, are we gonna okay. break even? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is there is good money in podcasting. I will say people are surprised when I tell them how much me we earn because it's not as much as they would think. Really? Yeah, but for me, it's still an incredible income. Like I pinch myself every day to, mm-hmm. you know, because I just don't believe that this is my life. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really good because you can put multiple ads in every episode. Like it's kind of understood in podcasting. A lot of podcasts put like six sponsorships in every episode. So obviously the rate that you can charge is is less than a standard video, but mm-hmm. most of the money is in sponsorships. And also you have the Google ads, Spotify ads and stuff like that. And it does add up. You're not comfortable revealing any actual numbers? I mean, I won't reveal what we earn from sponsorships just mm. because it's not smart because then the sponsors will like shop the rate and everything. Okay, so yeah. that would be a business unwise decision but sure i can i can show you what we're doing on like the the youtube the youtube revenue yeah the youtubes all right so take a guess how much we made in the past 28 days just from google adsense quarter million mm-hmm, bro. <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, i see the watch bro oh just so people know like just that. so people know things are different now <laughs> things are iced- very different now in the iced coffee hour <laughs> that's an iced out patek got this iced out patek Thank you to Vlad. He gave this to me as a gift. I mean, I'm just speechless at, at how fancy and nice. It is. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it's nothing. Just so generous. To the hey, approaching a million subs, you, you gotta you gotta rock something like that. So. Oh, you know it. Okay, uh, so like take 10, a guess. Ten. Ten k. Realistic? Yes, I would say thirty thousand. Five thousand. Okay, so the last twenty eight days we did thirty. 32,000. Yeah, which is like substantially more than how much we were making for the longest time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were kind of different steps. Like initially, we were probably making like 700 bucks a month for a super long time. And then it went up to like a few thousand every month, like $3,000 a month. We were there for a very long time. 
And then we stuck at about eight to $10,000. We were there for like, I don't know, like one and a half years. Mm. And now the podcast is about four years old. And uh, we recently had a massive boost in revenue just because I feel like we've been having more evergreen guests on the podcast. Um, and the views, they kind of just stack. Whereas back in the day, we'd have on people that were more current event based. So mm-hmm. the podcast would stop getting views after after some time. And uh, yeah, it's just compounded. And now we're kind of hovering right around 30 a month. That's pretty solid. But that's just like the one uh source of revenue for the podcast yeah i mean it's a substantial portion like it's not like yeah some like nominal negligible amount that we're that we're making from that um but yeah what do you think makes your podcast so good like is it like what is what is it about it why do you think it works dude i ask myself that a lot and it's so weird because i have people that come up to me if they like recognize me or something or other people they come on our show and they tell me that oh i've been listening to your show show for such a long time big youtubers have came up to me and and said things like out of all the content that i that i watch on youtube most of my time is spent watching the iced coffee hour and it's people uh-huh. that like i'm huge fans of i didn't even know that they knew i existed uh-huh. which is like the most humbling thing yeah um yeah, go ahead. Are you famous now? Do you get recognized? Fa- no, all the time? no, no, no. I'm I am not even close to being famous. Do you ever I'm, get recognized? Yeah, I get recognized okay. and stuff like that. And like now, you know, I go to the gym and people at the gym, like they Yo. they know me like a few people, uh-huh. like regulars at the gym, so I see them every time or you know, different places. But I would not say I'm even close to being famous. And the thing that I think sets our podcast apart would be probably the relationship that Graham and I have, I think mm. does make a bit of a difference because we're so fundamental fundamentally different mm-hmm. in just the way that we approach life. And I think, I don't know, I think it's probably just something to do with like the questions we ask and the mm-hmm. flow of the podcast. I also spend an exorbitant amount of time in the post-production. Like I am very careful of what I remove, what I keep in the podcast, how I structure the podcast, editing. I try to be good about audio balancing. That's like mm-hmm. kind of where I'm working right now. But I think that also has to do something with the uh, success. How, you, you talked about your relationship with Graham. Can you get into how that even started? Sure. So I was a huge fan of Graham Stefan, and I'll give you just like the TLDR type thing. Um, to explain where I was in my life, I was going to community college and I was going to say I had a girlfriend at the time, but that's totally unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't have anything to do like with this. What? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like yeah, where I, I was girls. at in my life at the time. Um, cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was in college. I was working as a busser at a restaurant mm-hmm. and I was consuming financial YouTube. And uh, I tried like every side hustle you could possibly imagine. Uh, most of them were unsuccessful. Dropshipping was one. I think I was watching your videos. Um, and then I just started watching Graham Stephan mm-hmm. and I loved everything he was saying. It was reinforcing all the things my dad taught me growing up. So I know he wasn't just some charlatan. Mm-hmm. And then I opened up a Roth IRA because of him. I did all these actionable things in my own life. He made a literal impact on my life, mm-hmm. on my financial future. And then I reached out and I was like, this guy is living the life I want to live. I always had these questions. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was older. Um, I couldn't really see myself working most of the jobs that like the job fairs would present and uh, the matrix jobs the matrix jobs so i wanted to be a glitch okay you know? yeah shout out luke belmar and uh yeah he he was like living the life that i wanted to live right um so i just reached out persistently over the course of a few months and then honestly i kind of just lucked out like i was at the mm-hmm. top of the inbox with one of my messages uh when he needed help drastically mm-hmm. with something and um 
yeah, he just hit me up. And then I worked super, super, super hard. Like it's literally my entire life, like no regard for my time, mm-hmm. no regard for my sleep, energy, et cetera. And then he saw that and he was like, okay, like this guy is in it for the cause, not just because he wants to make a quick buck off me. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do you even get in contact with someone like that? Do you just, what's your cold approach, cold email? So email was the most effective for me. I would not recommend if you want to do like a, a mentorship or mentee mm-hmm. mentor relationship with somebody you see online, don't reach out via DM because they get so, so many. So I would say email. Probably the best bet, go onto the YouTube channel, go to the about page, click on the email, paste it, and then just like send a bunch of messages. Is there a crazy hook? Like, uh, yeah, subject? what did you say? What was the subject I, like? I, the subject, I mean, I can whip it out if you want to see what the subject yeah, original was. Original email? I was like, honestly, I was like borderline like begging. Like, wow, because wow. at this point, in my, I, I'm fine saying that. I mean, I know it's kind of cringe mm-hmm. um, to say like how desperate you were at this, you know, sometime in your life, but I was very desperate for just like meaning in my life. I was desperate for for something I could really feel proud of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was just unhappy. Like I didn't see growth in anywhere in my life. I was working as a busser. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think obviously that's not going to go anywhere. Like, sure, I could be a server, but that wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I didn't see growth in college. Like I was studying business administration, which honestly, I'm sorry, but like a lot of people study business administration. Okay, what are you going to do with it? I think mm. STEM, if you're going to go to college and I'm, I'm trying not to just yap, but like <laughs> this is something I feel passionately about. If you're studying STEM, that's like one thing. Sure, college is good for you. If you're studying, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, college is good. Anything else, honestly, reconsider. Bro, but you pulled a crazy move. I, I, I want to get to the email, but you dropped out of college with one semester to go. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's insane. It was actually me. one year to go. One, oh, really? I had one year to go, yeah, but I was... I mean, I was a very academic guy. So like uh-huh. I had really good grades. I was going to UCSB after transferring from from community college. So like it was unquestionable that I was going to finish college. Like there was not a shadow of doubt in my mind I was mm. going to do college. Everyone in my family is a college graduate. I was going to be the black sheep if I, mm. if I dropped out. But I thought it was more risky to stay in college than it was to pursue this thing that I had at that time been when I dropped out, been working on for like a year and a half and things were going really well. I wasn't making enough at the time to justify it, but we ended up renegotiating when I decided to drop out Mm -hmm. to make it make sense. But it wasn't like, hey, I'm dropping out and then I might start this business. It was like, I'm already, you already had something going for a little while. Yeah. Okay. So I already had, and and Graham and I, we, I was like, hey, Graham, it it was summertime basically Mm -hmm. when I was deciding to drop out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Graham, I have one year left. I'm going to go back to UCSB. I can continue doing this on the side. But by that time, I had taken on so much responsibility that the business probably would not have functioned Mm. if I had left. I don't want to say that it wouldn't, like I was so important that it wouldn't have gone on because, but Graham had gotten used to me doing Mm. all the work that I was doing. We had the podcast going on. We had so many other responsibilities that it would have been extremely challenging. So then Mm. we just renegotiated our terms. Um, it was all percentage-based, so it was all commission. I just had to work really hard um, and earn the business a lot of money for me to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we renegotiated, like my income skyrocketed, not skyrocketed, that's like so <laughs> dramatic, but it went up like a lot. Yeah. And the amount of money that I made on these new terms in the first year was like $113,000. How'd you convince him with like the ne- negotiation? I didn't have to. You didn't have to? Really? No, no. Like I had, yeah, because- he wanted me on board. So like it was more so he was trying to convince me to stay. Mm. And I was like, Graham, at this point, I was probably making 3,500 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, like I have one year left. I'm not going to drop out for $3,500 a month. I'm sorry. And then we just renegotiated percentages. And and I was also working a 
bunch. So you could even argue that even if I was not a college graduate, if I wasn't even in college at the time, $3,500 a month was probably not the mark, fair market value of my labor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we just renegotiated and he was happy to. And um, he's always treated me fairly. But I don't know if you still wanted to see like... The email? Yeah, I want to yeah. see the... Okay, so this is horrible. I've never even thought about the subject line. Um, the subject line was lunch. Lunch? Yeah. No way. Can screenshot it just for, the, for later? Uh, there are probably some... <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let me... I mean, sure, I can screenshot it. And I can, I'll send and, it to you. Yeah, just so crop can, it but, out, whatever. But I'll tell you what to, to okay. like remove yeah. from that. Yeah. Because it's, it's pretty like... It's pretty desperate, honestly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> what? Is that, is that the move? Just get as desperate as possible? Probably not. Like in hindsight, if I, I mean, it worked for me. So I would say if you want to do what I did, maybe, but it, to the average person would probably come off as weird. Mm -hmm. Graham just so happens to be like not average. Mm -hmm. He's a very like kind of a weird person to be frank. So it probably just appealed to him when I was like, I will have no regard for my time or energy. And he was like, all right, cool. And it was also kind of a timing thing because you reached out at the perfect moment where he needed Mm -hmm. some help. But to be fair, you reached out a bunch of times mm-hmm. so that, so you made A bunch that, of times, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm not going to just chalk it, it completely up to luck, yeah. right? Um, there was persistence involved in everything. But think about for you guys. Like, if you're trying to be successful, it really has to do with who you're associated with, right? Like, you obviously have the flooring thing going yeah. on and that's successful and everything. You have the e-commerce, e-commerce store and everything, yeah. but that's because of association with Vlad. And now you're maintaining the store and it's doing great. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of opportunity with this podcast and the podcast is kind of happening because the equipment... Vlad's mm-hmm. initial like star power and everything. And I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with association. So you got to get in the right circles. Mm-hmm. Did you reach out to other people besides Graham? I did. That's okay. funny. That's a funny question. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said this. I reached out to two other people. Who? One, Ethan Klein, H3H3. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Number two, this is crazy. Sneeko. Sneeko? Wow. Yeah. I reached Back out then? To, yeah. So this is 2019. Yeah. Early 2019, I reached out to Sneeko. He was way smaller. The type mm-hmm. of content he was making completely different. It was like self-development personal growth transformation content it wasn't the more you know type of stuff he's doing these days like the matrix pill stuff (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i was like a huge fan of his content and he actually got back to me he he said uh i was like i'll have no regard for my time no regard for my energy i just i love what you're doing i want to help and he was like what's the catch (laughs) i think that's all he said so you had two offers on the table graham stefan and the sneako offer well sneako passed up on me Really? He didn't get back to you after you No, said? I said, I said, there's literally no catch. Like okay. I will pay for your flight out here. If mm-hmm. you want to like record some content, I'll just film. I'll fly to you. I'll do whatever. And I just don't think he bought it. I think he, he thought you were thought, trying to get him. He was trying, yeah. to, trying to finesse you. Yeah. But I genuinely, I just wanted to help. So wow. Sneeko, he missed out. You know, <laughs> wow. look at me now, Sneeko. <laughs> look at me now. Things are different now. What about Ethan? Ethan just didn't respond. He was like massive at the time. Yeah. So that was a little ambitious of me to mm-hmm. think he would get back to me. But yeah. That would be such a different trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I probably wouldn't be super proud of what I was, you know. Really? Yeah. Like, I, 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 here's the thing, man. I think what Ethan does is good. And I can see he's a genuine being. I don't think he's super ideologically based. Like, I think he's somewhat of an independent thinker. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he kind of makes a career out of just, like, being mean to people online. And that's not something that I personally can you know, feel super good mm. at the end of the day about like supporting. Yeah. And I, this is not any like a personal attack against Ethan or anything. It's just, and I know a lot of people, they love that content mm-hmm. and that is their source of joy in the day when they tune into his live streams and they like listen yeah, to that content. Different. That's great. If that brings you joy, that's great. But for me, like I tune into his content and I just notice myself getting frustrated over mm-hmm. something or in a worse of a mood. So it's, it's you know, a reflection of myself, yeah, not necessarily I, Ethan. I mean, I don't think he would argue with you on that. Like his content is 
a little negative. Yeah, I think I think he would agree, which is why you yeah. know he's not like an ideological thinker. I think he's a fairly independent thinker. Right. So with uh, with what you did with Graham, you're like a huge proponent of working for free, right? Mm-hmm. You think it's worth it to take the internship, take the work for free up front? One thousand percent. Really? Yes. And it's a hard pill to swallow. And for me, I will say I was so lucky. I was so lucky. I was living with my parents. Mm-hmm. I had a job. I was grinding. I was working so hard. Graham was giving me a decent amount of work, but I was also working at a restaurant. I was also a full-time student. I was juggling all of these things. So like, yeah, like it took a lot out of me to do it. Um, other people aren't in such advantageous situations where maybe they have rent to pay. They have bills to, you know, to, to pay. They have people relying on them and stuff like that. I didn't have any of that. So it was easier for me to not get paid. But if you want a really hard life to achieve, mm-hmm. then you better know that it's going to be very hard to get there. You have to make sacrifices. That's just the name of the game. Yeah, I think it's even the same way with uh, just regular entrepreneurship, not even like working for free for somebody. With any business that you're going to get into, you're going to work for free for like the mm-hmm. longest time before you see anything. So I think that's that's something I mean, you got to be okay with. And somehow saying this is like the worst thing in the world, but then people are going to college and paying that's true. To get a job for four years. So, okay. So you're telling me it's four years of their life, right? That's gone, mm-hmm. right? You could say that, you know, they party, they have fun, they made connections, et cetera, et cetera. You can do all that outside of college. Um, and on top of that, the financial damage, right? Of student loans, it's, it's hard to compare that. Honestly, when mm-hmm. I say, oh, work for free for a year, learn actually in the field that you want to work in, mm-hmm. but somehow that's more taboo. I don't know. You, you talked about... Um disregarding your time and like just really sacrificing everything do you believe in sacrificing your 20s no 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 no. and i wouldn't have done that honestly you were saying in the email that you were yeah i didn't sacrifice my you were just capping you were trolling (laughs) like hey (laughs) no here people okay the bait and switch (laughs) (laughs) here's the thing i did sacrifice a lot i didn't sacrifice my 20s and i never said i would sacrifice my 20s i sacrificed probably two years of my life. And I would not consider it sacrificing because I was building towards something. Mm -hmm. So it was still an investment, but I did sacrifice a good amount of time of free labor. I sacrificed a good amount of like my sanity because I was, you know, lacking sleep during a lot of those times. Not because of, it's not Graham's fault. It's me taking it stupidly serious and doing everything that I can. (sighs) He was always, he's always been great to me. I don't want to say anything negative about Graham. And this is not me just like politically posturing or anything like that's the honest truth. He treats me amazingly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like I did sacrifice a lot, but no, I would never sacrifice a decade of my life. What are you, insane? Yeah, I, a I, decade of my life, the <laughs> 20s? Like, okay, to be fair, like 18 to like 22 or whatever. You know, 18, the, the yeah, prime. sacrifice it because what you're going to okay. sacrifice it in college anyways. But I've heard Graham, yeah. and maybe this is where you guys are super different, but yeah. he's kind of like pushing this agenda of like you should sacrifice your 20s to set yourself up for your 30s. At least I've heard him say that before. Okay, well, let's, let's break this down. What does sacrifice mean? Just like, like no hanging out. With friends like, no fun drinks no in, <laughs> no fun hangouts you just monk you're mode. focused monk okay mode. why so you could set yourself up for when you're older okay why do you want to be set up when you're older i'm, I'm not saying i no. I i'm just i'm just it. asking you I'm so just that saying... you're in dubai and you're just chilling <laughs> you know but your friends are out there losing their virginity <laughs> doing whatever so you're not with your friends uh, if you're, you're by yourself mode, in yeah, a different you, country that's monk mode. i don't know <laughs> yeah, no, you, a- you got to go monk mode. Okay, everyone, if you haven't gone monk mode yet, you got to go monk mode right now. No, I would not want to sacrifice my 20s. I would sacrifice a couple of years and I did sacrifice a good amount of my time. There were certain periods of time in my life where like it was wake up with the laptop beside my bed, mm-hmm. lift it up, put it on my lap 
and that was early. That was probably, you know, 6.30, maybe six o'clock, getting my day trades. No, <laughs> uh, and then go through the entire day just grinding. The only time that I had not working was maybe like a 30 minute walk if I could reserve the time. Mm-hmm. Go do that. I was eating unhealthily. I wasn't exercising and I was just working the entire day. Go to sleep with my laptop on my bed, wake up, do the exact same thing the next day. And it didn't make me happy. And I would say this is probably the most unhappy that I was in, mm. in my entire life during this period of time. But at the same time, you can't say that if you want to achieve something that's hard, that it will go without sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. I just wouldn't sacrifice my 20s. Yeah. The entirety of your 20s. That's a decade of your life. Like that is a significant, if you're going to live till 80, what is that 12% of your life? It's like about, I don't know. Let's just say 12% of your life. Like that's, a, that's not an insignificant amount of your life. Don't sacrifice that. Sacrifice a good amount, but let's mm-hmm. be real here. Like the 20s, I mean, your body is, capable of doing things that you can't do when you're older so what would you do if that didn't work out like let's say you do two years with graham and then things just aren't working out i like to think that i have the mental framework of still being really positive about it Mm -hmm. so and i think that's everything it's like you win some and you learn some so i would have liked to think that i had learned some um but i also knew myself and at that point i knew graham really well and i was like i'm bullish on this mm. i had high conviction and also we did make a clause <laughs> this is going to like negate everything i just said we had a clause in the contract where it's like if my percentages didn't bring mm-hmm. me up to x fixed income it was $90,000 in that year that um that i would have worked full time three uh, it was a calendar year mm-hmm. um then he would have brought me up paid the difference so i was kind of thinking like 90,000 bucks to take a year a gap year from college um like that makes sense and uh, yeah. yeah. And at that point, you would have had the experience to land probably something similar with someone else. Yeah, 100%. And I was like somewhat known in the community yeah. and Graham spoke really highly of me and he would have gave me references. And at the time, I mean, still, there are so many financial YouTubers that like would have probably hired me like Andre or Jeremy mm-hmm. or, you know, Ryan Pineda, all those guys. So mm-hmm. so you, you, you were able to get on this massive platform. Why did you decide not to start doing your own content? Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to. I mean, I got into the industry because I wanted to be a YouTuber as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's different when you're, when you're doing something that's like, I like working on other people's things more. Mm. I think at the end of the day, I tried my own content. I was doing TikTok street interviews. That was kind of fun. It was honestly, it was easy. Like that's the the lowest hanging fruit of content that you can make. Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, all these people, they're getting like so many views, they're getting so much engagement, so much money from this brand deals and stuff like that. What happens if I try it? Mm -hmm. I tried it and like. I think like the third or fourth video I did just popped off. I just like transferred my YouTube editing skills to short form content Mm -hmm. and I just went above and beyond in the editing. I was super selective of the content that I put on TikTok and they blew up and it was easy. And I had brands reaching out to me. Oh, we want to sponsor you this and that. But I just, it was like soulless content for me. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, okay, like I'm kind of just like going up to people asking them questions and nothing against the people that do that. It's Mm -hmm. entertaining. It brings people happiness. You can learn if you're asking people, how much do you make? And you know, how do you make that money? What, mm-hmm. what is your job? What went into that job? Like that is content that hopefully can inspire people to do that exact same path. It just wasn't for me. I mean, there's a reason why people watch that. There's a reason why there's those videos get views. People, yeah. people do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And you really actually popped off. I remember seeing it was like, you, you got over a million views on some of those videos. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. Yeah. yeah, like it was like, like I was having plenty of people reach out to me on TikTok that are like, I've never seen engagement like this ever before like my percentages of like view to like was like crazy the amount of views that i was getting the retention i was getting a lot of people reached out to me like what is going on because i was coming out of nowhere can you make money with that though yeah you can make money i had a couple of brand deals and stuff like that nothing was crazy because the brand deals i started taking seriously Mm -hmm. once i like i was done on tiktok and then that email was still active and they Mm -hmm. were like continually hitting me up 
but by the end, like I hadn't posted in a super long time. So like the rates were, mm-hmm. you know, not like anything like I could have gotten, but I think I did one for like, you know, 700 bucks. Wow. And that was for, for a TikTok for a TikTok. Yeah. And that took me, I don't know, realistically it was probably five, six hours of work and I got like $500 worth of product. So like, that's really good. And yeah. I could probably make a six figure business if I was doing TikTok street interviews. I just decided not to. Have you heard about the new thing where they'll actually pay you if your videos are over a minute long? Mm-hmm. Have you experienced it with that? So we unfortunately can't do that on the iced coffee hour because the account was created in a different country. Oof. Yeah. So our like we can't make money uh-huh. on our TikTok. And I think it would be a pretty, you know, pretty solid um revenue source if we were doing that, but it just I don't know. It do your we don't want to restart the entire account. Do your TikToks get posted from a different country? No, they get posted from the United States. The account was just created in a different country and the TikTok support is just not very good. Mm-hmm. So you can't like talk to them like, yo, like I told someone to create an account for us because they wanted to try out short form for 30 days. By the way, if you wanted to work for us, that's what it took. Like people were reaching out every single day. We want to create short form. Graham and I were still kind of iffy about it. I was mm-hmm. a little more sold than he was. And then this guy reached out and he's like, I'll do it for free for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, let's just see how it works. And he was in Canada and he gave me the login and everything. And then we ended up paying him, switched to a different agency that does our short form now. And it's great. Yeah. With those kind of emails, because we started getting a ton of those as well. The mm-hmm. ones that I think we actually respond to and the ones we consider, it's when they send a clip beforehand. Yeah, like, yeah this with genius. The email. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So you can see the work, you can see the portfolio, you can see they're dedicated. If you want to work for a nonchalant podcast, if you want to work for the iced coffee hour, if you want to work for anyone, do the work beforehand because mm-hmm. they get reached out to all of the time. You think that you might be unique if you're reaching out saying that you might, you know, you want to help in the same way that I was doing. Mm-hmm. I thought I was unique. I just kind of got lucky and I was persistent. Right. And that was also a long time ago. Things were a little bit different back then. Um, but yeah, do the work up front and just send them, Hey, this is what I got. This is what you can get with me. Yeah. Cause I mean, they can type out like an elaborate email, but if someone sends a good clip, like yeah. that does all the talking clips google drive with with yeah. all these clips. It's like, Oh, yeah, somebody went crazy. They did yeah. like a whole Google drive with like 10 clips, yeah. like yeah, and you're looking at the form. clips yeah, and you yeah. gave them a fair shot, these yeah. people. And all these other people that reach out with all of these words without any actual action, mm-hmm. you probably didn't really consider. Yeah, you got to yeah. take action. I want to know if you guys want to have Andrew Tate on the podcast. Most definitely. 100%. Easy, easy 100%. Yes. You would easy do that? Yes. Why not? Why don't you try? You feel like you have to like level up? I think so. I keep thinking that <laughs> Max I, and TJ just are, keep on saying to just reach out to everyone. But I don't know. I feel like... We want to get, I want to at least get a few reps in with like uh, the the guests in my personal network. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I think we'll be a little more ready to sit down with like yeah. Andrew Tate. I think that makes sense. Like Hormozy would say, you have to, you can't just like force confidence. You have mm-hmm. to give yourself a stack of undeniable proof that you can do what you say you want. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Um, so yeah, as long as you feel confident and you have like the stacks of evidence that you can take it on, then you won't be anxious. You won't be nervous and you'll kill it. Yeah. yeah. You got, you guys seem like you're big enough to get Tate on, but you haven't. Yes. He probably doesn't rock with you or you guys don't rock with him. What's the issue there? So the, the thing about Andrew Tate is that I would, I would consider having him on, okay. but I'm also a higher risk taker. Like I wanted Justin Waller on. Mm-hmm. That was high risk. I wanted fresh and fit on. That was me. Graham didn't want that. Right. <laughs> And I'm very transparent. Like they they knew that Graham was apprehensive. Justin Waller knew Graham was apprehensive. But it's not Graham being like a wuss. It really is not. It's him being smart. 
It's him being a shrewd business person. Mm -hmm. Like he has so much more to risk. I have an insignificant amount of money, like an, an insignificant amount of like fame, clout, reputation, everything. So obviously I'm going to want to go for like these high risk, you know, mm -hmm. slam dunk plays. And Graham, it makes sense. So I can't be upset at him for having this different perspective of being a little bit more apprehensive when it comes mm -hmm. to stuff like that. And it's no like, like it's costly, like going all the way out to Romania, traveling with all the gear, several days. Graham's time is worth a lot more than than my time is, just to be frank. So like, I understand why he would be apprehensive and I 100% respect that. And he's just being smart. It's like, if I was Graham, I would consider being in the same situation. I'd be so good though. Like I, I'd pay to watch that. Yeah. You guys can put it behind a paywall. Yeah, I, I do it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to. I, I, don't, I don't think like there's an issue. It's something that we have talked about. Like in a way, are we slightly responsible for the people that we bring on and the things that they say? Like it's a bit of a moral dilemma that I think at least I have. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like if they say things that I really disagree with, but I'm giving them the platform to say that, is that yeah. still kind of on me? So it's it's hard because I like to think for podcasting, I'm just a journalist. Mm. But then again, I hate a lot of journalists because mm. you're like airing out, paraphrasing, taking other studies and stuff like that and like secondhand information. You're just saying it as though it's fact. And like, I think that you should have some culpability for what you put out just in general, I think that that's smart. Um, so I don't want to be a hypocrite and say like, like, um, like, no, we can, you know, we can have an, on whoever on the podcast and say whatever, because I, I'm very critical of the journalists mm -hmm. that do exactly that. Um, so it's a really hard line to draw with fresh and fit. I will say there were some things that they said that I just like fundamentally had an issue with mm -hmm. and I decided to cut it out. And that's on me. If, you know, if, if you're a fan of Fresh and Fit and you wanted to hear like the full unregulated uncut podcast, I'm sorry. Like that was just something that I had an issue with. I'm not, I'm not mixing up their words. I'm not skewing their agenda. I'm not doing any of that by removing a certain segment of the podcast. I was just like, this is not something that I necessarily want out there. It was, um, there were some things that I left in that I was like kind of questionable. Like mm -hmm. they would call women hoes. And mm -hmm. I'm, I just don't think that that's like, I don't think if you're if you're trying to get a message across to as a broad range of an audience as possible, don't use words like ho. Like, I just don't think that like, I think it's just mean. I think it's teaching people the wrong thing. I think it's super negative And I'm a big proponent of like spreading positivity and understanding people. Um, but I just I wasn't a huge fan of that. So I think I cut out a couple of the hoes um, mm -hmm. and just random stuff like that. It's not usually like I, I would never, you know, rearrange somebody's stance, argument, stuff like that. We got some lashback on uh, calling women females. <laughs> That's <laughs> for a little stupid. Bit. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like the people, I don't know. People are gonna have a problem with anything. Calling women female. Okay, what are you supposed to call them, dudes? Males? Yeah, I don't know. It was yeah. a, it was a little bit like a lot. Uh, for some reason, we just we, we just we kept stuck. on seeing that. our vocabulary isn't that great, so we're still working on that. <laughs> we're still learning uh, English. <laughs> yeah, English second language and whatnot for all of us. So. I do think um, that there is something to like not bending the knee to your audience in some capacity, like it, or not. That's not even your audience that's going to get mad at you for saying females. It's like some random online hate mob. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I also um, <laughs> shout out um, somebody in my own personal life. Like I, I called somebody a female and they like called me out on it. It was the first time I ever mm -hmm. heard that that was like not something you should call a woman. And I was like, what is that like not an okay thing to call a woman? And she was like, 
no. <laughs> and I was just like mind blown. And then I asked a bunch of women mm-hmm. in my own personal life. I'm like, can you call women females? And they're like, eh, it's a little bit disrespectful, this and that. And like, when did this happen? <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> I didn't know that this was like this five years ago. Was it like a certain day that this happened? Was it a gradual progress in which like you can't call women females? I have no idea. Yeah, but would you call a female female to her face like if you're talking to a group hey, female of, come over here yeah you know <laughs> would, if you're talking to a group of girls would you call them females hey females just in general like in conversation because i wouldn't know i don't talk to girls but would you would i call <laughs> <laughs> these questions man would i call a woman in person a female like would you reference woman let's say you're having a discussion i wouldn't talk with a filter you know okay. and if female was the word that came to my mind i would say it and that's a two-sided uh what do you call it double-edged sword Mm -hmm. it's like i generally don't speak with a filter it gets me in a lot of trouble some people appreciate it because they know they're not getting some like weird abstract of jack some jack Mm -hmm. proxy so i would say i mean if they were like hey don't call me a female i'd be like i'm so sorry and i'd probably end up doing it again on accident five minutes later and i'd apologize again but that's just it that's fair yeah i think i think that really is because it's like if you're talking about your friend and it's a girl and you're like Hey, this female I was talking to, I mean, that's kind of downplaying who they are. It's like, oh, well, this, why, why not just call them your friend? It's only downplaying <laughs> it if you like mean it to downplay them, I feel like. You know, I think words are just just a, a proxy for like information. You know what I mean? And it's like the information that would include the surrounding, like the meaning behind it, the feeling behind mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? And if you're encapsulating it with like with love and good intent then i feel like yeah. you're fine you know what i mean if you call someone a female and they take offense to that it's usually a reflection of themselves people's behavior is usually a reflection of themselves not necessarily of your actions to them um so i think it's fine if they get upset mm-hmm. do them the respect of you know trying to change your language sure tj what do you think you talk to women all the time i hear <laughs> me yeah i wouldn't call them a female mm-hmm. you got you got to get rizzy with it you know what i'm saying <laughs> okay so so what do you call them Short. Girls, shorty, shorty's a nice one. Uh, shorty, but that's that's a little crazy though. I'd, I'd say girl. You'd say girl or their first, but the first name, yeah. Okay. First. Yeah, we're not really sexist like you. You know, yeah. I, I don't think it's okay. Yeah, I wouldn't call it sexist. I would just say, uh, I would, I would say I'm I'm glitched out. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a, we're an just agent the of the Matrix. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Look, it, maybe it's super disrespectful. If so, flame me in the comments. Go ahead, and I'll try to change my language. Do you have a lot of females in your life? Do you um, have a female in your life? Um, <laughs> I have plenty of women in my life. I have a mother. Okay, you know, name uh, five females. <laughs> and Frank. <laughs> grandma my mom <laughs> your mom his mom let's go Bye, let's go he's good yeah uh, how, how's the dating life the dating life um dude this has been like the biggest question mm. for me i've just been trying to figure it out yeah and uh maybe i'm doing too much thinking and not enough acting um but that's i don't know maybe my standards are too high maybe there's a problem with me mm-hmm. i like to think that there isn't uh, maybe there's a problem with Vegas. I don't know. Mm. Um, a lot of the times I'll go on on dates with people and maybe I'm not giving them a fair shot, but I just don't like them that much. <laughs> That's fair. You don't have to like everybody yeah. like that. Like, no, 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 no. Like, like I like their, like but their character like, is cool. Like yeah. I respect them and everything. I don't think that they're a bad person, but there's not like this, this feeling, mm, you know what yeah. I mean? And maybe I'm like... I have this Hollywood portrayal of how relationships should be mm-hmm. and it's just completely misaligned with how it is in real life. 
but that's just been my experience. It's like I very few times in my life have I talked to <laughs> you're about to say it. <laughs> like I you know what I mean? It had that like chemistry. That chemistry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to have standards. There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, like, I mean, sure. that's you're, you want somebody that you can get along with. Yeah. <laughs> trying to like, be, this is kind of like a, you know, a tough conversation to navigate, like, you know, dating women, men, yeah. how they're different, how they're the same and everything. Men? Men. No, I'm just saying like, dyna- <laughs> you know, relationship dynamics <laughs> and stuff like that, man. TJ, you have anything to say about? <laughs> I had a men? question though. Do you think the ice.watch is going to maybe attract the wrong type of females? No. You don't think so? No, I think this is attracting exactly who I want to have interest <laughs> in me. Are you kidding me, bro? Oh, this? Good. No, 100%, man. This is this is going to be a game changer. Yeah. Um, in fact, I should probably do like a photo shoot and like flex this and put it all up on my dating apps, 100%. Tinder specifically, mm, you know? That's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the way to find true love. Yeah, Vlad got a wife with a Tissot. I don't have with, it on, but yeah. You don't have a Tissot on. <laughs> it's upstairs. <laughs> you didn't want to flex on me. Huh? He's too intimidated. <laughs> you, were, you were a little nervous, uh, right? You, bad in front of the... you couldn't compete. No, I get it. I get it. How'd no. you find your wife? Uh, it's a little different because it, it was like a, a day one. Day a one day female. one thing. Day one female, yeah. Beautiful. Day one <laughs> yeah. female? <laughs> How, what would you think about you calling her a female? I think she's okay with it. It's not that deep. Um, I, I just, Bro, I think it's so different because we're so used to just being like, hey, dude, hey, bro. It's just so... Yeah. normal for us mm-hmm. to refer to other men as men and dudes and bros and, and whatnot and then it's like girls don't do that i don't think also i will say like i grew up with not a sister didn't have a mm. sister didn't have any like super close you know fem- woman friends <laughs> super close like woman friends you know what i mean and all of my friends growing up were dudes like women were kind of this like scary unknown entity to me mm. Um, I just grew up with a brother and a dad and a mom. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't really know how to talk to women my age or anything. So I feel like it's kind of like that could potentially make me, you know, have some weird like language, a weird mm-hmm. perception of women. I could call them females and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do think though it really helps like grow up with like a girl neighbor mm-hmm. and just like be friends with her or have a sister. Like all of that stuff really will help. I think in the dating marketplace to like just know how to talk to women, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of guys that don't have that, they just talk to women like there's some like alien like figure. And I definitely suffer from this. Like I talk to them, like if you go through my text. I have heard this so many times, Jack, it sounds like you're trying to negotiate like a business deal. Jack, it sounds like you're like talking to me like, like a, like this <laughs> can work we see that? correspondence. Sure. Whoa. I mean, you can <laughs> see, you can see any of the texts that I have with like any girl I'm talking to right now, if you want. Whoa. Give us yeah, the we... craziest one. <laughs> Do you think girls are real? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's funny you ask that, because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. They're kind of sus. I don't know if women are real. They're like the I birds, think, you know the the birds. They're the the bots. Parts, yeah, the bots. They're not. I, <laughs> the government. I think it's. Um, I think they're agents of the Matrix. <laughs> I think that they're fake. I think they had too much red forty. <laughs> it's a psyop. <laughs> it's a psyop. It's all fake. Yeah. Um. So I would be wary of them. If That's you why wanna, you text the way you do. How about this? At the end of the podcast, you guys can go through one of my chats with women. This is a retention hack, okay? Right. And in the middle <laughs> of the podcast, that. what we're going to do, most controversial take. Say it. I can't, bro. <laughs> yeah, there's agents of the Matrix. <laughs> most controversial take. Say it. <laughs> bro, we're getting kids. Agents, <laughs> agents of the Matrix. You guys yes. will not say it. I am a good service what's, of what's the Matrix. Your, what's <laughs> my most controversial yeah, take. what is it? This is going in the intro, by the way. Sure. I'll give you my most controversial take, and I'm probably going to get canceled for saying this. That's for the intro. <laughs> um, honestly, 
we had a good conversation on the iced coffee hour about this, not just shouting out my, everyone thinks like, I'm just like <laughs> shouting out my, I'm not, I really am not. Um, but we had a good conversation about like, if people are poor, is it their fault? Mm. And I think that's a super controversial take. And I don't think by and large, 100% of the time, yes, that it's your fault. But I am a proponent. I'm a positive thinker insofar as like, I think people have way more control over their life than what they actually think. Mm -hmm. People think that they are just a product of their environment, of the people that they surround themselves by. They think that they are all of their past decisions. And I think, no, any time is a great time to change and be exactly who you want to be. Mm -hmm. If you're mad, I genuinely think you can just stop like that. Wow. If you're angry, if you're sad over something, you can literally just be like, okay, I'm just going to brush this off. I think it's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's so many different mental models mm -hmm. that can help you out with that. Like a lot of the times you're mad because you think somebody was malicious to you. They wanted to hurt you. A lot of the times I like to think, what is it called? It's some um, mental model. I'll tell you what it is after mm -hmm. the fact. You could just edit it in, but it's never, I think Napoleon Bonaparte actually was the first person that, that said this, this, that was uh, never attribute to malice what could be attributed to carelessness mm. yeah carelessness selfishness mm -hmm. incompetence mm -hmm. ignorance a lot of people are just those things including myself and i don't want when i'm being careless or ignorant for somebody to think that i was being malicious because i really am not a malicious person like i want to help people and you guys are all the same and basically every person viewing this is exactly mm -hmm. the same like people aren't doing things to hurt you yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's like you can disagree with that, but you also have to think whether adopting this uh, mindset is more beneficial than adopting the opposite. And I think it's hard to say that I, uh, it's more beneficial for you to adopt the mindset where you don't think you have as much control over like your future. It's harder to adopt that mindset? I don't think it's as beneficial. Why? Wait, wait, like, if, th that you don't have control. Like the initial thing that you said, right? Mm -hmm. That you don't have control. I, at the end of the day, like <clears> I... I don't think that you have 100% control of your life, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, but if you think that you have no control and that everything that happens, you're just a victim, mm -hmm. I, I, like that's oh, not going to get, get you, get you anywhere. Yeah. And it's not a loving thing to tell people that. Yeah. Like yeah, that's not going to get them where they want to be. It is like kind of a hateful thing. It's kind of like pushing them down. Yeah, you're this way because of all of these things that you can't control. So I like to think you point the finger of responsibility, not at everything else, but at yourself, mm -hmm. because that's like also the finger of power. You know, you're giving yeah. the power to yourself. This is my responsibility to change my life. It's nobody else's. Nobody's going to fix my life. Only me. And the only mm -hmm. time to start is right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Can you give us an actual like controversial take though? <laughs> an that is super controversial. Like you'd be surprised probably because you have a hustle like audience. Everyone's be like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. take control of my own life. Everything's going to be cool. Start drop shipping and move to Dubai. Like, Let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's controversial. I'll give you some more. I mean, there, obviously there are certain things I probably shouldn't say because I'm an agent of the matrix in matrix. We're all in the um, matrix. I, I'm happy to say it. Like I have no, I, I'm right. not uncomfortable saying these sorts of things. I'm obviously not going to say anything that's going to cancel me. Mm -hmm. um, but you do believe in a lot of things that are going to get you canceled. Like yeah. in real life. Yeah. And everyone does. <laughs> Specifically men. <laughs> like if yeah. you, you, like, let's be real say here. So. Say, some, say something let, crazy. Let, let's be real here. Like there are certain things that you don't say around certain people. And then you break that wall and you say a certain thing in front of them that you think they're going to get mad at you for saying. And they're like, mm -hmm. ah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that wrong? I mean, should should we just be honest and just speak our mind? Yes. Yes. Be honest. All right. This is an ob objective yes. Be honest with yourself and with the people around you. But you still wouldn't say everything that you believe in. Not publicly. No. Mm -hmm. No. Because I'm I'm also running a business. So True. Yeah. like let's I, I you <laughs> know, like 
what good am I if I'm like deplatformed or whatever mm. that even means? You know what I mean? So your honest takes would get you deplatformed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> would yours? Yeah. There you go. Probably. Probably me too. Yeah, if I was 100% honest about all the things that I believe in. Yeah. I don't know about deplatform, to be honest, but yeah, okay. Deplatform would have an issue. People would have an issue. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't get deplatformed. The more hard opinion, opinions you have, the more you have people agreeing and disagreeing with you. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's like, is there a net benefit to you airing those things out? Probably not. So no, because what good am I if, it, yeah. you know, like if I'm, if I'm gone? Yeah. So but another controversial opinion. I, wa I want to give you one more, one more juicy, controversial okay. opinion. Um, Everybody thinks that they have like mental illnesses. Mm. And I think a lot of them are mental illness proxies if that makes sense so like breathe? yeah so like i growing up i've always thought i have adhd like Same. as a kid yeah as a kid like i like i struggled to remember things that's like a big thing of adhd it's like i would leave my homework in certain places not on purpose but i would just leave it at school and i'd have to go and i was friends with the janitor because every single time that my mom would pick me up and we're driving back to my house she's like did you remember your homework and i said no she'd have to drive me back go talk to gary the janitor he'd be like which class did you leave it in he'd walk me over to the class open up the door and i grab my homework um other random things focusing struggled so much with it growing up mm -hmm. and i'm sure a lot of people watching this relate um or maybe in the past couple of years you've had struggles with these things um i think when i say mental illness proxies it's because of the environment that we put ourselves in, which is our responsibility, realistically. Mm -hmm. like you are responsible for the environment you put yourself in. If you're spending all of your time on TikTok, you're spending all of your time just giving yourself stimulation in every way possible, then yeah, like you're going to have focus problems. You're going to yeah. stop remembering things because your brain is going to be elsewhere and time is going to be passing when you're not growing. You're just probably, if anything, degrading your brain. Mm -hmm. So like, sure, you're going to have a proxy for mental illness. And I think this goes across the board for a lot of different mental illnesses. And we actually had Dr. K, who's a Harvard psychiatrist on our podcast. And he said, um, people say autism rates are going up, which I think there is data um, affirming that. But a lot of it has to do with like proxy autism. People have symptoms of autism mm -hmm. without actually having the fundamental chemical imbalance of autism because of the way that our environments are changing mm. and the way that we're spending our time. Wow. I don't know about autism and things like that, but the ADHD thing I think is a really big one. <laughs> I mean, everybody's getting diagnosed with ADHD or mm -hmm. even self-diagnosing. And it's like, of course, I mean, you're on TikTok all day and it's like- What did you think was going to yeah, happen? Do you exactly. think like a lot of these perceived mental illnesses can be solved by just going outside, going to the gym? Dude, there are- so many basic things that we could be doing to improve our own lives that people just knock to the wayside every single day. Going outside, taking off your shoes and socks, getting grounded. Let's go. <laughs> uh, just watch some Liver King videos, guys. That's what you got to do. Now, I would say, like, you know, don't wake up and go immediately on your phone. Mm -hmm. Sleep with your phone on the other side of your room or outside of your room. Um, I heard drinking coffee not right after you wake up is smart. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know if that backs it up. I can just say what's worked for me in my own personal life. Don't go on your phone immediately after you go to bed. Mm. Or, or sorry, right after you wake up. Don't go on your phone immediately before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. Don't spend a bunch of time on TikTok, YouTube shorts on your phone. <clears throat> Try to keep your like screen time under probably three hours a day, which is also just ridiculous that I even have to say that. Like three mm -hmm. hours a day is, it's an eighth of, so like, let's say from zero to 80, that's 10 years of your life that you're just going to be crazy. on your phone rather than experiencing yeah. what actually exists. This doesn't exist. Um, going to the gym, working on your physical fitness and health, mm -hmm. cardio, not skipping out on cardio, which is something I personally do. I need to work out, <laughs> work on, um, and having good relationships. I think like 
being around people and being social and having friends that you can count on. That will drastically improve your way of life. And also not having an ideological perspective. Like don't find some ideology, find some person online, some dogmatic person like Tate, like Justin Waller, like I don't know who's on the, probably like H3H3. Kind. Mm-hmm. Well, actually I said he was- Destiny. A, uh, Destiny maybe. He's, He's also political. pretty independent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, just people online and just be like, everything that they say is right. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Because mm, it isn't. You know, think for yourself. Yeah. Did you ever actually get diagnosed with ADHD? I did. Really? Yeah. And that, that was when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. I probably was pretty late to the train anyways. I was probably like mm, 18, maybe. Mm. Um, and then I started taking Adderall and I was taking it every single day. Mm. Um, you, you you take Adderall? No. Any of you guys been diagnosed with ADHD? No. I haven't been diagnosed. Do you know a friend with ADHD? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And do they take Adderall? Yeah. Do they act differently? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have some friends that took Adderall and then they they had they got off it and it was a really bad experience to get off of it. Yeah, were they addicted? Really, really tough. Yeah, interesting. So I took it every single day with increasing dosages. I went all the way up to twenty milligrams of XR per day um, for probably about a year and a half of my life. And then a very close friend of mine, say his name, his name's Jack as well. <laughs> He's the guy I'm going on that vacation with. Um, he was like, dude, by the way, you're kind of hard to be around when you're on Adderall. Whoa. It's just different. And he said that and it struck me. I mean, like, you know, hearing this from somebody that you know is in your court at mm-hmm. all times, I'm going to trust him. I'm 100% going to trust this guy. He is like my best friend. He's always been with me since I was four. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, all I needed to hear. And I quit cold turkey. Wow. How no, was that? Yeah, no withdrawals? No. Like I, I also I do think that there are genetic genetic dispositions to mm-hmm. uh, addictive nature, um, and I don't think I really have an addictive nature. It's always been kind of easy for me to, to just like, quit things. Not that I've tried many things that would you know I would be addicted to caffeine maybe, um, but yeah I didn't have any withdrawal symptoms. I literally just I had the pill bottle and I was like okay that's an easy decision. I just never really felt the urge to get back on it. Um, I do still have the prescription. And now I realize going completely off of it probably wasn't a smart idea too because I do have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do take it maybe once every two, three weeks. I'm prescribed for more than I take. Mm-hmm. I take probably three milligrams when I do take it, just a minute amount. Oh. Um, and that's it. Do you ever miss it? Like, did it help no. you lock in and focus? Because I hear it's like a big thing in colleges. You got to start you know taking crazy. it for exams, all of this. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, every, it does help, obviously. Like, it mm-hmm. makes you focus. But here's the weird part. The time that in my life when I was taking Adderall, I don't even remember it. Whoa. I was disassociating was a big one. A big problem, I think, is that I had like acute, not real, like, but I think I had acute uh, depression. And that's why I went to actually go see a, a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And then they prescribed me Adderall because uh, I also saw I had ADHD. And a big symptom of my depression that I was experiencing was like I was falling asleep all the time. And so I would go to class. I would come back. I would mm-hmm. sleep on the couch, go to class, come back, sleep on the couch again, mm-hmm. go back to my final class, come back, sleep on the couch, and then sleep throughout the entire night, wake up, go back to class. I was just sleeping all of the time. Mm-hmm. So they also gave me Adderall to stay awake throughout mm-hmm. the day. Um, and then I saw it also <laughs> fixed all of these problems that I had suffered for, from my entire life. So I was just like, Adderall fixes this? More Adderall, more Adderall, more Adderall. You know, like yeah. I'm getting good results. So why not take more? Um, and then I had that, you know, conversation with my, with my friend and I just, I just quit. What do you say you were like when you were on it? <clears throat> um, I would say hyper analytical, okay. like hyper analytical, very, very deep, very, just like a lot. Like you don't want to hang out with a friend that all of the time is just like, dude, and then this, and then this, and then just like, and you're yeah. just like, dude, can we just like chill? 
Yeah. <laughs> Could we just like play Smash or something like that? Like, why does it have yeah. to? Why does everything have to be so mm-hmm. deep? You know, and and just like that, and honestly, kind of void of having a personality. Honestly, but I was happy. Like you take it and you have all these endorphins running through your body, and it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to, you know, like I remember there was a period of time, like I hadn't felt this way in such a long time, and then I took Adderall. Um, just like sheer bliss throughout my entire body. I was skateboarding back from class. I was just listening to music and I was just skateboarding. I was just like, I feel like tingles all over my body mm-hmm. because I'm just like, I just feel happiness. Like the sun is feeling extra bright today. Mm-hmm. Like the, the temperature is perfect. You're really my selling it, bro. Good. <laughs> I don't want to sell it because I stopped, right? Okay. Yeah. I stopped. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the best day of my life. But I just felt bliss. Yeah. But if I look back, hardly remember anything from when I was taking Adderall. Honestly, it was just like a blip in the timeline. Yeah, I don't know much about it either, but you know, I, I know some I, have, I know some people that were on it for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and after they got off of it, it took them a long time to really get their like mojo back just to be happy. Like mm-hmm. just really to get yourself to do something without it, uh, to feel something without it was really, really difficult for them. So it, and it took like maybe a year or two to, to like really just get back and like enjoy just walking outside and like enjoy getting to work and getting things done. So that to me sounds like they were kind of abusing it. Yeah. In a sense. They definitely were. It was, it was like, it wasn't a crutch. It was like something that they relied on. They were addicted to it Yeah, and they weren't being intentional about it. I think a lot of people are addicted to it. I mean, with all these prescriptions, it's so easy. I mean, you, you didn't get addicted to it, which is great, but a lot of people are. It's so mm-hmm. accessible. It's I wasn't intentional about it, which I think is like one of the first steps to addiction. It's like when you're not thinking about it and it's kind of just becoming this like subconscious thought, this thing that it doesn't even occur to you, kind of like when with people with like with vapes. I know a lot of it actually isn't the nicotine, but it's the oral fixation. And when you feel like you just need to have something in your mouth, mm-hmm. like that is this just like driving factor that's bringing you to it. And I think that's kind of the same with like Adderall. It's kind of like the unintentional, just like need to have something in my mouth starts yeah. the addiction mm-hmm. and then you become reliant on the substance itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I hear people do like lollipops to quit vape. Lollipops, just... chewing gum mm. yeah. is another one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever shared this publicly, but I feel like if I went to a doctor when I was young, I'd probably get diagnosed with some. Because I remember, some. <laughs> I remember listening to <laughs> on some sort of spectrum. Because I remember listening to your podcast, and you guys had someone on, and they mentioned that they were diagnosed with something, and they had this thing where they had to like close the door five times, they had to turn a light switch off and on like five times. OCD, OCD. That's probably OCD. Because I I remember growing up, I had that where like I have to do it, like I throw a ball, I have to do it a few more times until I hit the number of members in my family, or like everyone's gonna die. I have to hit the switch. Yeah. <laughs> That's is that, fa- you've never talked about this before. I'm not, not like publicly. I've talked about it like, with, and has that stopped? Yeah, that definitely. Did you work I, on it. You pray I about it or something. I don't. They just naturally like as I grew up, it stopped. But if I went to a wow. doctor at that point, like I probably would have got prescribed yeah. with something. Yeah, you could have got prescribed something, and then it, yeah. like I think the prescription kind of like elongates that thing. And I think mm-hmm. like a lot of people they take Adderall and then they get the ADHD proxy when they're off of Adderall. So it's probably yeah. a good thing that you didn't. Get medicated. I mean, I just thugged it out. That's crazy. So you thought you literally thought your family was going to die. I don't think. <clears throat> I don't know if I literally thought it, but it's something that it was I enough just, to I, throw I, a ball yeah, against the wall a couple of times. Wow. <laughs> Light switches the ball, and it was crazy because I I kind of self diagnosed when I was listening to your podcast. <laughs> like hmm. you had someone on that mentioned that. I don't remember that episode. I had so I, many maybe conversations. Was, maybe it was somebody. Oh, it might have been on Joe Rogan. Actually, my bad. Hmm. But that's a that's, that's a pretty OCD. common thing. It's like. Yeah. So it's like, can you, you diagnose me real quick? 
<laughs> so uh i am a medical professional what are you <laughs> um, immediately 20 milligrams out of all a day gotcha. <laughs> uh red 40 every single day <laughs> red 40 max and a gallon of tap uh, um let's go. i mean that sounds to me like um like ocd mm-hmm. i recently watched you know, soft white underbelly yeah I love so it. they had on uh, a girl with ocd and she was talking about all of these things and it's like very similar to that mm-hmm. so it sounds like it but it's great it went away like that yeah. that gives me a lot of hope that you know hopefully things just kind of go away right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, i should watch that yeah i'll send i'll send it to you that's cool though i, I had no idea that's such an interesting thing yeah that is weird yeah, have you guys weird. ever felt that yeah like when i was a child i felt kind of the same thing so what was like, yours if i was like playing basketball i had to make the last shot before i went inside you know but that's I, well, that's that's, that's I think that's a I because I, I I mean every guy are you like, downplaying his mental uh, <laughs> my my OCD? <laughs> what <Well, laughs> what would happen if you didn't make that last shot? The whole world would just, would just explode. <laughs> oh really? But you, nah, you're just nah. making it in your head. You're kind of like oh like thirty seconds left on the clock. I gotta make this. No, nah, it wasn't that tragic. But yeah, no, nah, no, nothing too crazy. Yeah, and I feel like everybody experiences some levels of it. But if you get fixated on it, so like. I could claim OCD too. Like whenever I, growing up or even right now, certain things on my nightstand have to be in a particular way, you know, set up. And if it's like, my watch is like a little off, I have to fix it and make sure it's straight, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, do I have OCD? Maybe. You need Adderall, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, I had this, I had the same basketball thing. It's like, if I don't make this last shot, like probably something really bad is going to happen. <laughs> but at the very bare minimum, next time I play basketball, I'm going to be a lot worse. Mm. That's kind of like my logic okay. with that. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of, a lot of people have that basketball thing. People down below in the comment section, <laughs> comment if you uh, feel like you have to make the last <laughs> basketball shot. It's a crazy conversation, but we might as well record. Um, speaking about all of this, uh, what do you think about therapy? You know, if you're going to <laughs> therapy and you're talking to these guys and, they tell you that you do have OCD, you do have ADHD. Is it good for everybody to explore these little things in their in their life and fi- get fixated on them and then try to fix them? I don't think that you should get fixated on it. I don't think it's a good thing to identify with it. Like even for me, like I don't like like identifying as somebody who has been afflicted with ADHD. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just kind of think that it's something, right? And I shouldn't be ignorant of it because it does have an effect on me. So I should learn how I can use that to my advantage. Um, in the same way, I don't think like if you think that you're suffering from something, just don't think that that's like an infection in you. Um, but I do think it's probably a good idea to explore it if it's affecting your life in a net negative way, right? Like always try to make everything in your life affect you in a net positive way. If you have somebody in your life, like a relationship with somebody in your life and you know, like it's good, but it's also bad, but it's mostly bad, stop it or fix it. Mm -hmm. Same thing for, you know, if you're suffering from maybe some perceived mental illness, it's like, okay, net negative fix it or yeah seek help i did see something actually is really interesting um scrolling tiktok mid pod <laughs> uh it's, it's funny actually i just got a text from uh from a girl let's um, go w no, let us help you with a reply <laughs> she texted me hi it's natasha from insta and i just forgot to respond that was yesterday and then she said sorry it took me so long you I gotta be nonchalant so... you gotta be all right let, let's you, think you of lost your chance you lost your chance well, th- next of... <laughs> that was my bad i just i did not respond i should have responded let me let me find this um this might take a second el ruse <laughs> <laughs> bro you're in a good spot the double text leave yeah. leave her on row give it another day Read and the then be like sorry i was super busy just lots of business stuff i got motion so here's a screenshot i found on therapy i found it really interesting and elon musk has to do with this too so Mm. that's a low retention thing 
This guy, Matt Van Swole, posted, I'll send you guys a screenshot. Super hot take. The normalization of therapy is becoming a bad thing for society. I'm seeing more and more people, one, use the fact that they are in therapy as a get-out-of-jail-free card for awful behavior. Two, believe everything their therapist says as gospel truth with no further research required. Three, equate the act of going to therapy with the actions of being a good person. Now, I'm not saying therapy is bad for everyone, but I am seeing a trend of less personal responsibility for bad behavior and a lot more talk about therapy as the only solution. Elon Musk responded to that with this emoji. Mm, Target emoji. Yeah, bullseye. Spot on. And I do think that that's true. I think a lot of people think that if they go to therapy, it's like it does equate you to you like being a good person and like solving the problem, which I think it does contribute to solving Mm -hmm. the solving the problem. But you also don't want to think everything your therapist is saying is gospel truth and that they can also like fix your problems. Mm -hmm. You need to take responsibility for your problems. They're just supposed to help bring it out of you. So what's the criteria to becoming a therapist? Well, as a therapist myself, <laughs> I think you have to go to school, I hope. Uh, I have no idea. Is it like a certification or is it like a four-year degree? Why don't but, we find out? That's yeah. TJ, you're T- the TJ, is that you? Yeah, Jamie, pull it up. Jamie, pull it up. But even if you do have to get some sort of schooling, at the end of the day, it's just the person. And like this person can diagnose you with something, give you life-altering medication. So I feel like at the very, le- at the very least, you have to go to a couple before you hop on something like that. All right. Uh, Jamie in the cut. To become a licensed therapist in Nevada, individuals must complete a graduate degree in counseling or a, or, or a related field, complete supervised clinical hours, and, a, and pass a licensing exam. Okay. Now, I do wonder if there are ways you can like skirt it, like online education, chat GPT. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I would say like, you know, they should be pretty educated if you're like a licensed therapist. I would say for diagnoses, could be completely wrong, could be sounding like an idiot, but I think you should probably go to a psychiatrist. I, there, there, I think there's a difference as far as like the schooling goes with mm-hmm. that, um, but I could be wrong. Therapists can't prescribe? No, um, no, I don't think so. I don't think, I think they can refer you. Okay. Yeah. And then with a strong referral to a psychiatrist that can then prescribe, I think. Yeah. I, I agree with what you just read out out loud. I mean, it's. I think it can be just like a cop out, you know. Oh, I'm working on it, you know. I'm going to therapy, and it's like, and it's just it's kind of like going to church. Like, oh yeah, I'm working on it. I'm I'm going to church, and you can mm-hmm. clock in two hours a week, go to church, but that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. What's okay? So like, how do you how do you fix the problem then? The, What's, ther- the therapy problem, like the mental well, health problem. Well, yeah. How do you how do you fix the mental health issues then? I think it would probably have to do with like the basics, like yeah, treating yourself the, right. The thing is, they don't want to do that. Like, like they don't want to accept that that's the 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 solution to the problem you know right because we have a society nowadays that props up victims and the more of a victim you are the more powerful you are the more your words should mean the more people are supposed to like respect you and empathize you and everything and i don't think that's a good idea mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that you should sure feel for victims of certain things that are actually real like there are victims here and mental illness does make you a victim for sure in some capacity but a do you want to see yourself as a victim and b do you want to make the victims the people uh, like the heroes Mm -hmm. the people of power it's like probably not like you want to continue to get closer to the heroes to the people of power like the people that are spreading positivity and like you know (laughs) i don't know just not suffering in some capacity have you tried therapy I have, yeah. Okay. Uh, a few different therapies. So I had a therapy through my insurance. I had a therapy. Uh, I actually went to therapy when I was sleeping all the time because I, I knew something was wrong with me. I didn't know what it was. 
Um, and I figured it probably had to do with ADHD. My brother has ADHD as well. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this probably mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and then that therapist told me, okay, like that was through the school. And she was like, you should go to a, like one through your insurance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Um, and then I went through one for my insurance and then she referred me to a psychiatrist and I was in another, uh, I had another therapist, uh, for a little bit of time. I haven't had a therapist for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like all of my therapy sessions have been like a few months, maybe six max. Um, and then I actually, I do better help. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah. You're not affiliated. You get high in your own supply. Yeah, I, I I like it. Wow, it's it's good. I mean, it's online, so I just uh-huh. log in. It's super easy. You just like chat with your therapist, and you can send messages, okay. um, do video calls and stuff like that. And if you don't like them, you can switch your therapist <laughs> immediately. Can you achieve the same thing just by having some good friends around you and having what, some time I think to it talk depends. to your friends and family? What if you just dug it out? What do you, <laughs> what do you think about dugging it out? <laughs> just ignore it. Just thug it out. I mean, I think that there is like peace like inner peace and being like nah i don't have those things Mm -hmm. kind of yeah okay if you truly believe that you do not have those things if you truly believe that i do think that that is kind of helping out with that problem Mm. kind of unless if you're like nah i don't have all these things going on Mm -hmm. but you consistently find yourself in the same place Mm -hmm. it's like okay are you better or worse having that belief system let's look at this not through an ideological lens let's not look through this through like an opinion-based lens let's look at the stat sheet where's your weight at you know, where's your muscles at now versus back then? Where's your overall happiness if you're tracking your happiness at now versus then? What about your relationships with your friends, with your family, stuff mm-hmm. like that? Your your career, how is that at now before then? And mm-hmm. if it hasn't changed at all or if it's gotten worse, then it's like, okay, let's try to look at the problem and just do process of elimination. How can we solve this and try trying out different okay. results? So you say all of this and you bring up that tweet and how Elon Musk agrees with that. But mm-hmm. then on your podcast, I've noticed you'll promote something like BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. Do you have like an ethical dilemma with that? I do not have an ethical dilemma with that because I've seen good results with BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. And that's because I think I'm being really intentional about it. I think the whole idea of this tweet is being unintentional about therapy and equating going to therapy about being a good person. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's like, okay, you have to be intentional in therapy, like actually thinking about all of the tools that they give you outside of therapy to see a good result. I I think like therapy can be good for sure for a lot of people, but a lot of people it's bad for them because it masks their real problem. So for me, it's working. And so mm-hmm. I continue to do it and I've had great results so far. So I would encourage like close friends of mine that I feel like it would make sense for mm-hmm. um, to try it out. Yeah. Yeah. You tried it? I haven't tried it. You've no. never been in therapy? I've never been in therapy, no. How about you? No, never. My, my therapy is like prayer, honestly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And it works for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I've, I haven't been to like a licensed therapist, but I have like met with like mentors and like people from church pastors Mm -hmm. yeah and maybe that's my version of that Mm -hmm. Uh, but with promoting something like better help you're also kind of glorifying and pushing this idea of therapy right i see a lot of and i don't mean to put that on you but i also see a lot of like tiktoks and whatnot everybody's glorifying mental illness and glorifying um i think that's different you think that's different glorifying solutions you know well if used appropriately and like and you have the intent Mm. then it is a solution like that should help right like talking about your problems and having an expert in that field helping you walk through your emotions if you go to good therapist yes it will help but it depends with your it depends it's a very nuanced argument but it depends about your relationship with therapy Mm. if it's a good relationship keep doing it but a lot of people like this tweet have a bad relationship with therapy 
Yeah, I can I can definitely see how it could be a net positive if like you really do need the therapy and mm-hmm. you're just nervous about going to a therapist. Then what do you think you. about therapy? Um, I do agree with that tweet. I think I think it's da- a little dangerous to just blindly follow what a therapist tells you mm-hmm. to just make that your god and mm-hmm. like just blindly follow this uh, individual because at the end of the day they're just a person. It's the same way that if I had something serious like health wise. I don't think I would trust a single doctor to tell me like, you know, that I have this or that or place a diagnosis on me because they could be wrong. So Mm -hmm. you kind of got to. I agree with that 100% without a doubt. But that depends on your relationship with therapy. It's not a problem with therapy itself because you get therapy from different areas, right? But I I don't know if I'm answering your question, but at the end of the day, like, I think your therapist really matters, like who the person mm-hmm. is, right? Because mm-hmm. like you might have had a great experience, but somebody goes to somebody less qualified or somebody that doesn't have as good of intentions and th- that could ruin your life. But is that a problem with therapy in and of itself? Or is that a problem with your relationship with therapy? That's the model of therapy overall. Yeah, I guess your relationship with therapy. Because you, still, point. you yeah. still get therapy in other areas, right? Maybe it's not mm-hmm. from a therapist, but it's people kind of acting as a proxy for a therapist. Right. And a therapist, you could even argue, okay, well, they've studied it. They have all these other clients, all this information, all this data. How can we use this to help out this person? And so, sure, they're a bad therapist, 100%. -hmm. And they will, they can ruin you, 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that there's a problem with therapy. I think that there's a problem with people's relationships. And I think that these people that probably wrote this tweet would agree. You know, I don't think you should completely ignore your problems, Mm -hmm. especially if over time you see your problems getting worse Mm -hmm. and you're in therapy, right? then it's probably either your therapist, maybe you're using therapy as, you know, as gospel. Mm-hmm. Maybe you think that that's solving the problem, but it's not. So like reevaluate for sure. But if you're struggling with something and you see it get worse and worse and worse and you try all these solutions and they don't get better, mm-hmm. then I would recommend therapy. Would you not? I think ultimately, like I, you, you obviously shouldn't take advice from me because not only have, I'm not, not only am I not qualified, I've also never had personal experience with therapy, but I just think it it is a good idea to try a lot of like natural like health solutions mm-hmm. before you resort to therapy and prescription and all that. I 100%. I but agree I'm with sure that. It, it can be helpful in certain cases. I agree cases. with that. Yeah. Because if you're, I 100% agree with that. I think a lot of these like proxy mental illnesses can be solved with like the simple things getting healthy, going to the gym, being around your social group, mm. the stuff that I mentioned earlier. But if that stuff isn't working, then I don't think like, yeah. you know, like if it's not working, then try something else. And I think there's there nothing go. wrong with trying out therapy. I've had great results, so I don't really have a problem recommending it to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not just being like, you know, a charlatan, like uh, preaching or not practicing what I preach. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it has helped me and made an impact. So, yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, big, biggest qualm I have with therapy is similar to that of a doctor. Like if I'm going to a doctor and they're telling me how to be healthy, but they're not healthy themselves. Or if I'm going to like a soccer coach and they don't know how to play soccer it's like should i listen to them and how do you know that your therapist is happy and good and well Mm -hmm. (laughs) i would just say being intentional and then looking at your stat sheet and seeing how it changes over time with this you know Mm -hmm. solution not solution with this method with that tool you know is the tool effective or is it not effective and be intentional about it so that's why i think it's not a problem with therapy itself just with a lot of people's relationships with therapy Mm -hmm. and you know maybe the culture of therapy i think Mm -hmm. that's kind of you know sketchy too I just know it's worked for me. You yeah. know what I mean? So I feel like you you didn't say anything controversial. Here is a disclosure. Don't listen to everything we say as gospel. We don't have all of the answers. 
We have only our own personal experiences and maybe some data, but mostly our own personal experiences. Try things out for yourself. Think for yourself. And don't find some dogmatic person online that tells you all of these things will make you happy because maybe it worked for them, but it doesn't work for everybody. If there was a recipe, a solution for everything in life, all the things people are saying online, then everyone would be happy and fine, which isn't the case. I would co-sign on that. <laughs> That's a good way to end the therapy talk. TJ, are you co-signing? I'm co-signing. Co-signing. <laughs> I want to ask TJ a question. What's up? Okay. TJ Pod. How do you improve your Riz? Me? Yeah. Repetitions. Repetitions. <laughs> Go out there, put yourself in that situation. Do it again and again. One out of ten. How's your Riz? Five out of ten. When's the so last time you talked to a girl? Uh, like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Honest answers only. You just don't, you, you don't make it like a, a big thing. Like you just talk to a girl, bro. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's just a girl. It's a human being. It's not like a, a Bob, bro. <laughs> you know, but. Um, <laughs> the age in the matrix, bro. Five out of 10 Riz. If I put a hundred shots down, <laughs> 10 sets of 10 reps. And it, let's say I hit 2%, 2% conversion rate. Okay. I, I still got two numbers, bro, out of a hundred. Okay. That's true. That's two facts. two numbers out of a hundred. That's facts. Two that's out still of two. Two is two. Brother. I don't think that's, <laughs> that's two. It's yeah, a numbers game, up. brother. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're staying up, <laughs> but I just I don't think that's like the conversion rate. You know, would you be happy with a two percent ad conversion rate? I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's, let's say let's say that's pretty good. Stories, okay, so. let's say conversion rate from like on your website to closing. But they're not on your website, brother. You got to approach them. Yeah, it's cold approach. Cold what do you rate your riz out of ten? I mean, if TJ's a five, I'm like a one. Bro. <laughs> what about you, bro? Same. TJ, TJ's our our beacon right here. The Riz bastard. Is that really the case? <laughs> That's why he's here. You going on any dates while you're in Vegas? I don't do that, bro. No. They they come to me. They, they come to the crib. <laughs> <laughs> no, wow. we're really bad people to ask. Well, you guys uh, are married. Uh, yeah. You're like the perfect I'm just, people again, to ask. I'm married to like a day one girl, like out of high school type of thing. So I don't. So have... you think you lucked out? I mean, bro, I got some riz back in the day, but but yeah. <laughs> but you haven't exercised that muscle? Yeah, I just haven't exercised it, yeah. Mm. So How long have you been married? Uh, Almost a year now. Coming almost up on a year. year. And then you? Six months. Six, seven months. Six, seven months. Yeah. Does it feel different, the relationship with the marriage? For you, it did because you guys weren't living together beforehand. Same, same thing here, though. We're, oh, you weren't living yeah. together beforehand. Yeah. Interesting. No prenups? Not, not for me. I don't got enough bread to have a prenup. <laughs> Just going straight into it, huh? Yeah, that's a crazy one. The, the no prenup on this guy. I don't know. I, uh, I respect it. I'm not going to be. I keep using this word, but dogmatic and say mm. like everyone needs a prenup. It's probably smart, but if you know, if you feel comfortable not having one, and you're, you know, you you're a smart person. I don't feel like I need to tell you anything mm. about that. No, I feel like, um, for me with a prenup question, it's. Like, I don't really care. About, like, when I entered into this marriage, like, the legal aspect of it and the financial aspect is so minuscule compared to, like, the covenant we're entering in front of God, mm -hmm. like, the promise we're making in front of God that, like, that's a lot more, like, breaking that covenant is so much more frightening than losing half of my money. That, like, that's not even really a concern for me. And I don't want, I'm okay with burning the ships. You know, I, I don't want a way out. I want to do everything possible to make this relationship succeed and i think a prenup at the end of the day like i'm not against it don't you know i'm not giving marriage advice don't listen to me on prenups but i think in our case it would drive a little bit of a wedge i think it can drive a little bit of a wedge 
And this is, again, I'm not against prenup. If it works for you, that's great. That's interesting. You should listen to our podcast with James Sexton still. I have listened to a lot of his stuff. Because he talks, we have extensive conversation about prenups. Yeah, I mean, he talked about it on the wide underbelly as well. Yeah. I, I did my research. I talked to lawyers. I, you know, I know the yeah. legal ramifications yeah. of what I'm doing. It's not like a completely blind, like, oh, I'm so in love. I'm just going to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a premeditated And decision. I, I 100% understand like that take that you just had burning the ships. I get it. But would, would you get a prenup? <laughs> I probably would. Yeah. Do I think it's for everybody? Mm-hmm. It's not for me to say. You know, it's for the people in the relationship to say. Yeah. But one final thing. I do want to talk about God. Okay. Okay? Because you have a very strong relationship with God. You guys, are you religious? Yeah. yeah. Have you always been religious? Yeah. Have you ever questioned your faith? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah, to do, bro. You got to question your faith because that only builds up the faith that makes it stronger. Right. Do you question your faith? Yeah, of course. I mean, you So what does have... questioning it look like? Uh, I mean, just... It's just the thoughts you have. Like Doubts. you got to ask yourself, is God real? Is like, did Jesus walk? Did And what's your response to that? From the evidence that I found, the evidence, the things that I've looked at from my personal experiences, I think so. So one thing that's, I don't know if I could ever be 100% sold on religion. I don't want to bind myself to that. You know, I can never be 100% sold on it. Um even if I wasn't 100% sold on religion, I could see it positively affecting my life and the people around me, which I know isn't the case. Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose of religion, um, to believe in something greater than yourself. And even if I die and nothing happens and it's just pure blackness, mm-hmm. that I had faith and something pulling me towards the light, pulling me towards something that is like good. You know what I mean? During yeah. these 85 years or however long I'm on the planet. So even if it's wrong, I still think it's a win-win. But what do you lose from just trying it out? Right. What do you lose from reading through the Bible? I mean, there's even on a non-spiritual level, on like a completely physical, secular level, there's a lot of wisdom there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom for sure. And, you know, obviously like the Bible is very abstract. It's kind of like hard to pull that wisdom out of there sometimes. You got to read Proverbs. Proverbs. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. I have a Bible. I could read it. Yeah. Yeah. Proverbs would be a good place to start. For me personally, um, like no matter which way you look at it, and I can think of three ways, it always points back to God. You know, if you think about it from, you know, you being super analytical and going outside and thinking about creation, it's like, what makes sense? You know, if you're going to believe in the Big Bang Theory and whatnot, you're, that's still a lot of faith to believe in that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the God, the, crea- the creator and the creation makes sense. If you think about it from a fear perspective that also is one way like it's i do fear god you know he's almighty all powerful and there's some fear there um and also from the perspective of like wisdom and happiness like when you look at people that are wise and the the people that you want to be like in my in the cases that i've seen they're christian Mm -hmm. you know because that you see people that are successful financially um successful with like clout or you know success in sports whatever it is and i don't see anybody that's fully fulfilled um without god there's just always something missing one thing i've picked up on for most of my life is like the happiest people so like i have i find a concentration of like my idols barring a couple um but like 
I would say by and large, a lot of the times my idols have been religious. Like the people that I look to for not things like money related, not things like, you know, substance related, Mm -hmm. but like everything beyond that. You know what I mean? Like fulfillment, meaning the things I feel like are really important. They've all been spiritual or religious. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see a concentration there, but I also see a concentration of like some of the happiest people in my life that I've met. They are religious and they've been religious for most of their life. And they have this like weird air of like, just like positivity and confidence um, and good faith. Which I, which I always like, I just noticed the, the trend, the pattern mm-hmm. in my life. You know, I, I don't want to be ignorant of it um, yeah. if, I, if I see that. I mean, you don't want to just solely base, it, base your perspective of Christianity on like the Christians in your life, right? Because maybe you, you would have had the opposite, um, the opposite reaction, right? What if you have a bunch of bad Christians in your life? Right. True. But all I have, I mean, it was really like my own personal. And that's good. I'm glad you have the experience. Yeah. But I, I mean, I feel like it can't be a coincidence. Yeah. It's like I, very rarely do I see a Christian like that's just like, me, 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 me. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's very, I thought it was really interesting what you said about you still have to have faith to believe in the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Because that is true. You, you're just kind of picking what you have faith in because you have to have faith to believe that the explosion happened and that everything fell into place so perfectly that we have the perfect atmospheric pressure. Everything is so perfect that all that was an accident. Like it takes some faith to believe that. And that also doesn't answer the question of, what was out here before, you know? Right. Where'd that energy come from? You can't well, create it, you know? My best response to the faith in the Big Bang would mm-hmm. be I am placing my faith in, in my opinion, like hopefully the smartest people. Mm-hmm. Like I honestly, a lot of the times, I don't really speak for myself. I kind of just speak in quotes of other people that I've def- deferred my thought to. Mm-hmm. So it's like someone asked me for my relationship advice. I'm not giving them my advice. I'm giving them all of the advice that I've received from all of the smart people in my life and the people I see online and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the same thing goes for, for like belief or faith Mm -hmm. in the big bang. It's like who believes that it was the big bang, right? How intelligent I'm like Mm. saying like raw intelligence. I don't know, like the science and stuff like that. I just place my faith in that. So rather than something that like, sure, it could be the Bible. I'm not just going to, you know, break it down to a book, but like the Bible, um, I don't, I mean like I, I'm, I would be doing the exact same thing, placing my faith in like who wrote Mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? But you have to have faith either way. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was just like an interesting point yeah. that you do have to, you have to have faith in one or the other. And the, and the biggest thing that, the biggest problem I have with the Big Bang is there had to have been something to start that, you know, where like mm-hmm. for, in order for there to be that explosion or there was some sort of matter or like there has to be something, mm-hmm. right? Like there has to be a start to everything besides if that everything was already like a being that was that's outside of time that's outside of everything so after having on all of these experts on our podcast and extensive conversations with some of the smartest people that exist in the world there is a recipe for success a definitive recipe and this is what it is